The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. You know, Dr. Flex sends his regards. He's still out and he's recovering very, very slowly. But I bought in another co-host, integrated veterinarian, author, and pet food entrepreneur. Dr. Marty Goldstein is joining me today. You know, we're both great talkers, so it's going to be a very interesting and lively show. Hello, Dr. Marty. What's going on with you? Well, we're having a big snowstorm here, so just to gain access to all my many, many animals, I've been snow blowing and snow shoveling for the last two hours. That's what's going on. Well, you know, I guess that's what everybody's doing because, you know, the bad weather is all over the country. I was watching a variety of TV shows this morning and a lot of co-hosts were stuck in Iowa after the big caucus last night. But, you know, hey, that's the cost of politics. And that's why you and I are in pets. You know, I got a great story and I, I was thinking about it all week and I wanted to save it so you and I could talk about it. Dr. Marty, did you hear about Cecil the Golden Doodle that ate $4,000 after his pet parents, a Pittsburgh couple, set the money down on the kitchen table? Did you hear the story? I sure did. <laughs> it's a great story. Well, after leaving money on the table, the dog's dad, Clayton Law, was doing chores around the house. And you can imagine what happened when he came back to this kitchen. Cecil was standing over a pile of mutilated cash. I mean, it was just completely destroyed. The laws were shocked because the dog was a picky eater. He never ate food off of a table in the house. He never touched an, a plate on the counter. Interesting enough, he not only tore up the money, he ate it, too. The couple eventually called their bank and asked if they would accept the damaged money back. Well, Cecil's mom, her name is Carrie, said the bank was really great about the situation. And the bank explained that each bill had to be at least 50 percent or more recovered right. right, to exchange the bills. I had no idea. You probably had a problem with this, right, Dr. Marty, over the years? And I would actually I don't remember actually eating cash. They've eaten a load of other things, though. Sure. Corn, <laughs> socks, this, that, and the other. Anyway, yes. um, the bank reps explain that this happens quite a bit because money picks up so many different scents. I mean, you know, my mom always said that money, obviously was full of germs, but especially if the money was used in the food industry. So Carrie told NBC News when they interviewed her that the dog has such a good sense of smell that she's not surprised the scent of the money probably drove her dog crazy. Well, anyway, the bank advised the couple to wait for Cecil to do his business. Between pooping and vomiting, it took about three days to retrieve as much of the money as possible. So the dog dad, Clayton, he would pick through the dog's poop and then wash the money. The dog mom, Carrie Law, would sort and match up and tape all the pieces together. So from what I understand, the laws recovered about $3,500 of the 4000 And then they took the rest that were in tall, small little pieces, and they decided they were going to make art out of it. I don't know how that works, but they decided they were going to make art out of it. So the couple documented the whole process on Instagram. Of course, it quickly went viral. I'm surprised they didn't put it on TikTok. So what's the final uptick of the story? The couple revealed they were just happy to make people laugh. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to the story because we've all had pets, we've all had kids, and they've all done something like this. Um, I think at first when you're going through it, you probably cry because money's tight these days. And then you kind of laugh and then you end up loving your pet anyway and kind of thinking it's a joke. But that's probably only because they got the $3,500 back. So, Dr. Marty, if this happened to you, would you sort through all that poop and vomit to recover the cash? You know how many times in my career I had to sort through poop and vomit on, on my on my patients? Are you kidding me? It would be no problem. 
But one thing I got to say is you could probably consider this money laundered now. Absolutely. You know what? That's the greatest part of this joke. Absolutely. The money has been laundered. I think the takeaway from this situation is that I think pet parents need to keep wallets and purses out of paws reach to avoid such messy stories. And in some cases, expensive vet bills, wouldn't you say? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, on a medical aspect in my career, when an animal is, especially if you take an x-ray and you see they have eaten something like a, a small piece of metal or a ring, we've gone through poop and vomit many times just to make sure that it came back out so we didn't have to go in surgically. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, obviously this couple didn't go to see a veterinarian because there was no reference to that. I probably would have if it was a large amount of cash like that stacked up on the table, I mean, you never know. I think if things get stuck all the time, but then you wonder sometimes how can like Rhymeranner eat a corn cob or a sock? Oh, they sure do. The, the things that I've seen them eaten, you know, and in the journals over the years, we would get these case of the month and these amazing x-rays and you would see, you know, a dining spoon or this kind of utensil. It shows up so ecstatically on x-rays and it was like oh my god how did that dog consume that yeah i mean i think you know i understand dirty underwear i kind of understand socks because it's a remote control chewing it up because it smells like the people but a stack of money i yeah. mean just that's crazy. the first time i heard that in my career okay well you know we need to go get on with the show dr marty so can you give us a rundown what we're talking about this week this week on the pet buzz we are talking about one philadelphia dog that saved his neighborhood, the scandal that is rocking the Guinness Book of World Records, the extinct salish woolly dogs, pet-friendly ice melt. And there are millions of stray and abandoned pets left in shelters all through America and across the world. These pets are left lonely in cold shelters for most and sometimes all of their lives or even euthanized at some point to create room for more. Change a Pets Life Day was created primarily to encourage pet adoption all over the world, which is the number one way to change a pet's life forever. Joining us today to talk about how we change a pet's life is a special friend, a mentor, and such a kind individual. Michael Arms, president of Helen Woodward, is a pioneer in the animal welfare industry, my kind of person. Mike is credited in the last 40 years with saving the lives of millions of orphan animals, as well as creating innovative, and educational programs to help animals throughout the world. As a result, Helen Woodward Animal Center is known as the Animal Shelter of the Future. Mike, thanks for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thank you, Dr. Goldstein. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, you guys are wonderful. Um, you inspire me. And the more I have to learn more about you, Dr. Goldstein, I'm hearing you're just the most wonderful thing that got from the search for animals. So get to get to know you better. But yeah, I'm accredited now for helping facilitate maybe 20 million pets being adopted. And that's all over the world, Marty. That's as all over the world. I'm going to get Marty to send you his books. Yes. yes. And the link Absolutely. to his movie. You have to see it. It'll be interesting. Yeah, the movie will blow you away. Looking forward to it. So, Mike, before we get started, can you tell us the story that I've heard so many times that I think about so many times, but I want you to share it with our listening audience as well as Marty. That one story the one pet story that changed your life. Okay, um, it's not a happy story, but it does have a, a good ending. You know, I, I'm originally from Kentucky and I, after school, I went to New York because I figured that's where the money was and the fellow <laughs> talked me into joining the ASPCA. I didn't know what an ASPCA was and he told me it's a place that takes care of mistreated, neglected, abused animals. And I didn't know why he was talking to me about it. I had no interest, but he convinced me to start from there. 
And I couldn't take what I was seeing, the amount of euthanasia that was going on back then in the late 60s, and neglect and abuse. I couldn't take it. I was going to leave. And then one day they came to me, they said, Mike, there's a door kept by a car in Davis Camp in the Bronx. And I said, okay, get a driver out and get it. And they said, that's just it, Mike. There are no drives available. And this one from the calls is in bad shape. So I did just what you would have done, Dr. Goldstein. Just took off my suit jacket, put on a uniform jacket, and took the ambulance out myself. When I got to Davidson, they have this little black and tan terrier mix. Looked just like Benji from the movies. But he was laying in the street. He was bent almost backwards in half. The car that hit him, hit him with such force, snapped his back and left him there to die. So when I got out of the ambulance, I'm standing above this little one. He's shaking so badly from fear and pain. Just as I'm about to reach down for him, these three fellows came out of the apartment building doorway and said, what do you think you're doing? I said, it's obvious. This little one's dying. I'm taking it to the hospital. They said, no, you're not taking it anywhere. I said, why? Is this your dog? They said, no, we're betting on how long it's going to live. And I oh. said, well, you guys are really sick. So I reached down. I scooped this little one up. And I'm holding him. I cradled him in my arms. And he's shaking so vehemently, I thought it was going to fall. So I just looked down at him. And he was staring into my eyes. He was staring into my soul. And he held me spellbound for those seconds in time. And just as I turned to reach for the ambulance door handle, that's when these three fellas beat me from behind, stabbed me, and laid me in the street. Now the world was completely reversed. I'm the one lying dying in the street that day. But that's when I found the compassion that these pets have for us, that we as humans will never be able to emulate. We do not have that capacity. That little one that should not have been able to move by any shape of the imagination found a way to crawl to my side, and he started to lick me back to consciousness. Whoa. He would not give up on me until I opened my eyes again. And when I opened my eyes, I was staring at his beautiful brown eyes one more time, and I realized what was taking place. I laid in that street, and I cried, and I prayed, don't do it. Don't take my life today. Give me one more chance, and I promise you I'll devote my life to them. Seconds, not minutes, after I made that promise, my friend just gently closed his eyes, and he crossed over Rainbow Bridge. But in my heart of hearts, I know he waits for me, so someday we'll take that walk together that was meant to be. But because of him, I devoted my life, kept my promise, and to this day, I have helped facilitate saving more than 20 million orphan pets. I take what I do very seriously. It's because he inspired me to do it. I can't breathe. You can't. I mean, I'm crying. I always cry when I hear oh, that story. It's that just amazing. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information, about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. A Rottweiler named Whiskey with hours to live brought back to full health. A terrier named Snoopy, paralyzed in all four legs, who ran and played again within months. These dogs are known as Marty's Miracles. Dogs brought back to health by Dr. Marty Goldstein. I've helped countless dogs thrive with one simple concept. Your dog needs a high meat diet similar to what their ancestors ate in the wild. Called the Miracle Worker by Forbes magazine, he's now created a premium dog food for you called Nature's Blend. It's the easiest way to support your dog's easy digestion, nourished skin, playful energy, and most importantly, their healthy, full life. For a limited time, save up to 54% off Nature's Blend and get free premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. Text love to 511-511. I'm so confident your dog will love it. Your order is backed with a 90-day guarantee. All pets are unique. Your pet's results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. 
You'd never knowingly feed your pup mystery meat or spoiled grocery store food. So why are those some of the most common protein sources in kibble today? Yep, the dog food ingredient, meat meal, can be made of spoiled supermarket meat and packing plant scraps. I'm veterinarian Dr. Marty Goldstein. Your dog needs a biologically appropriate diet similar to what they would eat in the wild. That's why I developed Nature's Blend, a freeze-dried raw food made with premium cuts of meat, omega-3 rich seeds, and superfood veggies and fruit. Bailey is 12 years old. He has been on your food for nine bags now. Nature's Blend is pantry safe and has zero artificial preservatives, additives, filler, or meat meal. He's got more energy, able to run around and play when our grandson comes. For a limited time, save 54% off Nature's Blend and receive a free pack of premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. I can't thank you enough. He's 12 and I'm enjoying every day with him. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text stop to opt out. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Learn about the dogs of a goat, one of the greatest of all time athletes. And now, the latest news about celebrities and their pets. It's obsession. Aren't they cute? What's the name? What's the name? Simone Biles, the most decorated gymnast in history, is Vanity Fair's February 2024 cover star. In an interview with the magazine's featured writer, Biles discusses her gymnastics career, her mental health journey, her marriage to Jonathan Owens, and her thoughts on making return for the Paris Olympics after a two-year hiatus from gymnastics. Biles is also a dog owner. Biles and her husband have two French bulldogs named Lilo and Rambo and an English bulldog named Zeus. Before last week in the Olympic gymnast shared a photo of Zeus and Rambo and matching Green Bay Packers jerseys in preparation for the playoffs weekend. In the photo, the dogs lay down on the floor and pose with their heads tilted while showing off their individual green and orange Packers jerseys. Biles wrote over the image, the dogs are ready for this weekend and go pack go. How lucky for Biles that Green Bay beat Dallas. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Helen Woodward's president, Mike Arms, about changing a dog's life. You know, Mike, we need to get back to the topic. What if you could give me a profile of the dogs that are most in need of being adopted? Who are those dogs? Well, first of all, Charlotte and Dr. Colton, you both know that when families come in, everybody wants a puppy. (laughs) And you have to introduce older pups. Like if it's 16 months old, call it 16 months old. That sounds younger than calling it a year and a half. You could say this is just an older puppy. It's just 16 months old. And a lot of shelters, you know, don't know what to do because the last pets that they have are a lot of dark color black dogs that they people just walk by. Well, mix them up. Don't put all black dogs together. Mix them up. Baskin and Robbins, put brown dogs, white dogs, black and white dogs. <laughs> If you can't do that, at least put colored bandanas on them. The color makes a difference. If they see a red bandana, if they see a blue bandana, people focus on that. It's all about marketing and sales. I want that person that if nobody's around, they'll talk to the walls. And so when people come in, they'll say, look, I'll take that pet if you just shut up. (laughs) It's all about marketing. And that's what we have to teach them how to do it. We're speaking for the pets. Tell us a little about why fostering is such a great way for pets to make that transition from out of the shelter, but before going to a home. What's so what's so important about fostering? Because the foster parents can see much more than we can at the facility. The foster parent have them in the home. They can help housebreak them. They can help basically train them and yep. love them. So then we have these key components 
to tell the people when they are coming to adopt salient points. So we have to know all about the pets so we can give the salient points to the potential adopter to make sure that these adoptions work and they stay in their home. It's all about helping with foster parents. We have like 200 foster parents that really know what they're doing and really help us a lot. That's why we can take more and put them in the foster home before we bring them into the facility. Yeah, it's the backbone of sheltering. Absolutely, you hit it right on. These are all great ways to change a pet's life. Yep, absolutely. And, and there's no question, when we have fun when we have too many black cats, then we run a promotion, adopt a cat with its shadow. So when they get a regular cat, they get a black cat to go with it as a shadow. Cleans us out for all the black cats in a week. And the people love it. And we always tell them, you know, I hate when shelters cry that there's too many kittens during kitten season. Well, do something about it. Don't put one kitten in a cage, put two in a cage. Give them names like peanut butter and jelly, Bonnie and Clyde, Heckle and Jekyll. And then watch the families when they take peanut butter out and jelly just looks at them. They cannot leave jelly behind. They have to adjust jelly with them. It'll increase their adoption 10% overall. It's the best thing to do. It's amazing the things that you can do with some hard work and some new thinking. Yeah. Help the shelter put together a speaking series. And money's tight, so we all have to get creative. Absolutely. And the media is always willing to help. So if you have a chance to go on like your show or any TV show, the media like yourself has a much bigger voice than somebody just sitting in their office and saying, I need this, I need that. They'll help you 100%. Correct. Come up with some new ideas. Write, write a manifesto and help a local charity. Animal Services called me up. This is my favorite. Animal Services called me up and said, Mike, we have a nine-year-old Rottweiler that just gave birth to six puppies. We can't keep her. We don't have a force. If you can't take her, we're going to have to euthanize them all. I said, no, we'll take them. So I sent LaBeth down to get them. She comes back with this nine-year-old Rottweiler and six puppies and said, okay, Mike, what are we going to do with her? I said, we're going to run a story on her. We're going to get the media involved. She said, what media is going to be in? interest in nine-year-old Rottweilers gave birth to six puppies. I said, if you say it that way, none. But that's not what the headline read. The headline read, 63-year-old gives birth to six puppies. <laughs> the media was all over the place. I had that's no right. problem with that. It's just, they need our minds. They already have our hearts, but they need our minds in order to get them adopted. So true. So true. Mike, give us your website so people can learn more about you and Helen Woodward. Well, the website is animalcenter.org. And if anybody wants to get to me directly, it's Mike A at animalcenter.org. And trust me, you might have questions that you're not sure of and you're afraid to ask me. Don't be afraid because we're all in this together. Yeah, we're dealing with our what represents to us the dynamic in the human race of unconditional love. Politics doesn't. <laughs> Exactly. And we have to support that because they're the one that bring us joy, release, relaxation. Uh, and we just have to support them as much as we can. Mike, we are going to let you go. As always, thank you so much. And on my next trip out to San Diego, I'm going to come and I'm going to take you out for lunch. I'd love to see you again. And really, thank you for all that you're doing, bring attention to the animals. And thank you, Dr. Goldstein. I'm definitely going to be reading up on you. Medications can be expensive for all of us, even our pets. Pet Money Matters with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed.
Well, alongside veterinary bills, the cost of medication can be a dollar and cents problem. If your dog has a chronic condition and needs ongoing prescription medication, these costs can add up. The first place that you want to think of when you buy medication isn't always the cheapest, and that's generally at your veterinarian, but it's the fastest and you can leave your vet's office with the medication. But if you're looking for pet saving options, you will need to do a little work by researching and comparing prices to find pet med saving options. So take time to look at local options like family owned pharmacies in your local Walgreens. Have you seen those good RX commercials? Well, they sell pet meds too. You can also purchase medication online and take advantage of coupons and other discounts. Check out online retail establishments like Chewy, 1-800-PET-MEDS, Petco and PetSmart Pharmacies, um, Pet Care RX, Vet RX Direct. And don't forget, goes to's like Costco and Amazon. And remember to order medication for your pet online. Your vet will need to verify the prescription. One of the easiest ways is done at the start of checkout. You'll supply your vet's name and contact information, and many sites will reach out to verify before they ship the medication. You can also mail, not email, a hard copy of the prescription, which isn't always convenient if you need the meds quickly. Some sites will also fax your vet and require them to fax in a prescription. So start looking for pet savings now. We just kept more money in your pocket. Up next is the I Like You of the Week, the Pet Buzz Mailbag, and our next guest, Dr. Lynn, talking about the Salish Wooly Dog. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. What if you could help turn back the clock and help your dog play like a puppy again, no matter their age? Introducing Dr. Marty Pet's Nature's Blend, a premium freeze-dried raw dog food called the Miracle Worker by Forbes magazine. Dr. Marty is now helping dog parents right at home. I've helped countless dogs thrive with one simple concept. Your dog needs a high meat diet similar to what their ancestors ate in the wild. Nature's Blend is designed to support your dog's healthy lifespan with turkey, beef, salmon, duck, seeds, veggies, and fruit, and with zero artificial preservatives. When given the choice between Nature's Blend and Amazon's number one bestseller in dry dog food, 29 out of 30 dogs chose Nature's Blend first. For a limited time, save up to 54% off Nature's Blend and get free premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. Text love to 511-511. I'm so confident your dog will love it. Your order is backed with a 90-day guarantee. Study available upon request. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Let's kick off this segment with the I Likey of the Week. What are some of the latest sustainable trends for pets in this new year? That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. die for. I like it. Presently, healthier and sustainable diets are a top trend that is being embraced by pet parents throughout the country and beyond. For example, Petcurian is a sustainability leader in the pet food industry and the award-winning manufacturer of premium 
food brand, Go Solutions. Environmentally conscious pet parents can reduce their dog's carbon paw print by choosing pet foods made with alternative proteins, such as Procurian's delicious, tasty Go Solutions, limited ingredient, grain-free insect recipe for dogs, made with the novel insect protein, one of the most sustainable proteins available that is hypoallergenic, highly digestible, and requires significantly less land and water resources than traditional meat-based proteins to produce. Go Solutions Limited Ingredient Grain-Free Insect Recipe for Dogs is a complete and balanced nutrition for all life stages. To learn more about Go Solutions, visit G-O-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. That's GoSolutions.com. Mail call. You've got mail. James from Minnesota writes, Charlotte, I live in a very pet-friendly apartment complex in St. Cloud. And many of us pet renters are upset by the ice melt that the landlord uses and is painful to our pet's paws. Our landlord is a big pet lover and is willing to change to a pet-friendly ice melt as long as we provide him with a few suggestions. Do you have any pet-friendly ice melt recommendations that can give us pet owner tenants a peace of mind? Hi, James. Thanks so much for writing. Check out our social media feeds for some pet safe ice melt recommendations. For example, look for brands like Safe Paw Pet Safe Ice Melt for dogs and cats, Safe Step Shore Paws Ice Melt Pellets, Morton Safe Tea Pet Care Ice Melt, Paw Thaw Pet Friendly Ice Melt for dogs, Splash Pet Safe Ice Melt, premium pet and eco-friendly ice melt safe and ready go ice melts and more pet friendly ice melts typically contain urea or magnesium chloride while these are typically safer ingredients they may also cause stomach upset so it's best to be careful with them Due to the risk of slipping and falling, not only for us, but for our furry friends, ice melts are a necessity in many parts of the country. There are, however, a few things you can do to minimize potential problems for your pets. Number one, don't let dogs eat any of the salt or any of the snow, especially the slushy snow outside that may have been treated with ice melt. Wipe your pet's paws as soon as they come inside with a damp cloth or a pet wipe. Minimize paw licking until the paws are completely clean. This will also help minimize the risk for skin irritation that may be seen from walking through ice melt. Number three, if you have a sensitive dog whose paws are becoming irritated, cracked, or bleeding from the ice melt, paw wax or doggy boots provide an excellent barrier to minimize risk for sensitive feet. Four, keep all ice melt packaging out of paws reach. Now, if your pet has been exposed to ice melt or is showing symptoms of ingestion, it's important for you to contact your veterinarian or the ASPCA Poison Control Center at 888-426-4435 immediately. The charge is $95, but you can also make multiple phone calls, including your vet, to the ASPCA about the case. Well, let me know if you need more help and don't forget to send us a picture of your dog outside in the snow. Joining us today to talk about these woolly dogs is molecular evolutionary biologist, Dr. Audrey Lin. At the time this research was conducted, Dr. Lin worked as the George Birch postdoctoral fellow 
in theatrical medicine and affiliated theatrical science at Smithsonian Institute, National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. Today, Dr. Lin is the Gerstner Postdoctoral Scholar in Bioinformatics and Computational Biology at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. Thanks, Dr. Lin, for joining us today. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm very happy to be here. So, Dr. Lin, why don't you talk to us about the Coastal Salish tribes and the relationships with these woolly dogs? Yeah, sure. So the the uh, Coast Salish indigenous peoples are a large group of many individual separate tribes and nation all along the coastal regions of southwestern British Columbia and northwestern Washington state. And they had traditionally kept a small breed of, of dogs that they had bred specifically for for their wool fibers because they they didn't have any sheep there like the sheep were only brought over to the regions like way later by by the the uh western um european uh settlers and uh, explorers and also it was it was really hard to get uh, mountain goat wool so they had developed a an incredibly sophisticated weaving culture and so they they had domestic dogs and they they bred these dogs so that they provided these amazing fleeces to be made into yarn and then to to be woven into their textiles and um and I just want to emphasize that this was not the functional role for these dogs wasn't just to to provide wool they they were also very important members of uh of the communities and like every step of the process was a very sacred process. So yeah, these dogs no longer, because of uh, colonialism, uh, no longer exist. And uh, they they carried on mostly just in, in the oral histories of, of the Coast Salish. If you were to describe what the dog mm-hmm. looked like, it's white, it has thick hair. If you were to compare it to another breed, what would it look like so that our listening audience, as well as Dr. Marty, can have an idea of what this dog looked like? Sure. So very superficially, they do look like uh, Samoyed dogs, except they are smaller than Samoyeds. I would say that they they're probably like, you know, corgi size, but with longer legs. And even though they are, Samoyeds are fluffy white clouds uh, and the Coast Salish wool dogs are also fluffy white clouds. The the texture of of their wool is is quite different. What eventually happened to the dogs? So it was many, many different uh, factors directly related to to the colonial uh, presence there. Um, so there were many, there are many uh, infectious diseases, epidemics that had swept through the the coastal villages, uh, and for many of these villages, that it these diseases killed more than ninety percent of the population. So for oh. one thing, if there were no, if the the no, if there were no people there to take care of the dogs, then you can't take care of the dogs. So, so that was one reason. Another reason more that was that these, these dogs were part of, um, you know, the traditional cultural practices that went against the, what the colonial and religious presence there wanted to do, which was to assimilate. So these cultural practices, including keeping woolly dogs, including weaving in the traditional ways, and, you know, the dancing, uh, singing the songs, just doing everything that was traditional 
and important to them. This was all criminalized. And so a lot of the, a lot of knowledge, like weaving knowledge, like uh, speaking languages, this could be carried on in secret, but it's not so easy to, you know, rate, keep dogs in secret if there will be all of these Indian agents and the, the colonial um, uh, representatives there. So um, yeah, the, the dogs were, were one of the first, uh, to go. one of their losses. Yes. We are going to take a commercial break and be back with Dr. Audrey Lynn talking about the Coastal Salish Tribe's woolly dogs. Also, up next, Global Pet News and Tell Me Something Good. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and country. We are back with Dr. Audrey Lynn, a postdoctoral researcher at the American Museum of Natural History, discussing the now extinct woolly dogs of the Coastal Salish tribe. Dr. Marty, you have a question. Dr. Lynn, tell us what your research revealed about this dog. That's what I'm interested in. Our research revealed that mutton are Coast Salish woolly dogs whose DNA we had sequenced. Oh, wait, I just want to yes. interrupt you for a second. This You had like a swatch of the dog's coat right because obviously these dogs aren't they're extinct now yeah right so how big yes. was the piece of pelt that you had and the dog i believe his name was mutton yes so mutton was his real name that he was given when he was alive he had belonged to a man named george gibbs who was uh, hired as part of the Nor northwest boundary survey in the 1850s and 1860s charting you know, the boundary between uh, what is now uh, British Columbia and, Was and Washington State. But at the same time, he was also sending, he was a naturalist, uh, he was a scientist, he was sending specimens back to um, what was then referred to as the National Museum and what is today the, the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. So Mutton was his pet dog. And when Mutton had died, uh, he Gibbs had made a pelt a dried pelt out of mutton sent uh, him to Washington D.C. So, it, so what we have of mutton is a full pelt without any of the other uh, skeletal elements, with the exception of his paws are still attached to the pelt. So all of his the bones, like within the the forepaws and the fore and the hind limbs, are are still there. We found that mutton is indeed a pre-colonial indigenous North American dog, like primarily of, of that ancestry. We found genetic variants uh, within mutton that, that seems to suggest his unique woolly phenotype that is not seen in any other dog or canid, like these genes that are linked to um, like hair follicle development and, and skin and as well as woolly hair in humans. Could you tell what he was eating, what his diet was? Yeah, so that was another part of our analysis for, for the project using um, uh, stable, it was stable isotopes. 
so from from that we were able to tell uh that um like if he was consuming primarily marine foods or uh terrestrial foods like plants or animals that that consume plants so we had found that he was eating a combination of of both and um, what was really interesting was that um, towards the last few months of his life, Gibbs and his team, they were they were surveying. We could see reflected in Mutton's isotopic signatures in his hair, the progression of, of them running out of like the cornmeal supplies, you know, and then um, the increase of food intake from the terrestrial environment. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, Charlotte, that was my question, too. Great question. I mean, just thinking about, you know, you could be able to tell what this dog ate um, by doing these various experiments and then to also be able to see how the, his food changed. I mean, you know, I'm always amazed by science. Dr. Marty, you have one last question before we go. Well, one thing I'd like to say is this is why I entitled my last book, The Spirit of Animal Healing which goes into the amazing relationship between the companion animals and the human race on a much bigger level like we just discussed, not just this is my pet that I own. So great work. That's all I got to say. Uh, one more thing, Dr. Lynn, before we go, can you give us a website where we could learn more about your research? We have a uh, just an amazing uh, article that was written up on, on this specific project in Hakai magazine. So I I if you I really recommend that that if you want to know more specifically also from the perspective of the Coast Salish to check that out. Well, thank you so much for joining us today Dr. Audrey. It was a pleasure having you here. Just to remind you guys who are a listening audience that Dr. Marty and I were speaking with Dr. Audrey Lynn, a molecular evolutionary biologist who works at the American Museum of Natural History. Did you hear about the canine scandal that is upsetting the Guinness Book of World Records regarding the oldest dog title? And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. After Bobby, the world's oldest dog, died in October 2023, the outpouring of grief online was immediate. But sadness soon turned to suspicion as doubts were raised about whether the Portuguese dog really did make it to 31 years and 163 days. In December, a wire investigation revealed that a government agency that was supposed to have verified Bobby's age didn't actually have evidence he was born in 1992. Now there are doubts surrounding Bobby's longevity that is rocking the world of record-breaking dogs. The Guinness Book of World Records, which verifies the longest-lived dogs in the world, says it has temporarily paused the records for the oldest living dog and the oldest living dog ever while it reviews the evidence behind Bobby's records. For now, the throne of the world's oldest dog remains empty. Previously, when the world's oldest dog died, the record reverted back to the previous holder of the title if they were still alive. Now, that dog that held the title before Bobby was Spike, a chihuahua who is recorded as 23 years and seven days old when he first took the record in January of 2023. That was last year. The same day that Guinness announced Bobby's death, Spike's owner wrote to the company to ask what she needed to 
do to find out whether Spike had regained the title of the world's oldest dog. Giddis told her that they now required further proof in order to reinstate Spike. Giddis reps said they would like to discuss the possibility of her arranging for a second veterinarian to assess Spike and confirm his age. We talked about Spike last year. If you recall, Spike's owner found him in a dumpster. A veterinarian aged him at 10 years of age soon after his owner found him. Expert note that it's nearly impossible to accurately assess a dog's age once they've gone past a certain age. Experts agree that it comes down to a well-informed best guess. The only way to verify a poot's age is to have a record of them since birth, or at least when they were a puppy. A combination of microchips and other medical records, as well as photos showing a dog aging over the years, would be the most reliable indicator of a dog's true age. Some believe that Guinness is in a very sticky situation on this as they might have to get comfortable with some less than perfect verification methods. For now, we have to wait to see if Spike is the heir apparent as he continues to hold on at his age, almost 24 years of age. What do you think? Should Spike be retitled as the world's oldest dog? Well, I do, since he was titled when the Guinness old rules were in place. He should be returned as the oldest record holder. New applying dogs for the title should have more stringent verification method. Learn how one dog saved a neighborhood from a deadly gas leak. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. When Kobe, a four-year-old husky, began digging a large hole in the yard, his owner, Chanel Bell had no idea what the dog was doing could possibly save her life, her home, as well as her Philadelphia neighbors and their home. Bell revealed that she had lived in her home for a while and that her dog never digs holes without her. I guess it's an activity they do together. Bell had a gas leak in the house earlier in the month. So out of an abundance of caution, she decided to test the hole with a gas detection device. She discovered that Kobe had detected a major gas leak that could have devastated the neighborhood. The gas could have caused serious health effects like respiratory issues, brain damage, and even death. Moreover, the gas company reps told her that something as simple as turning on a light switch could have caused a major explosion too. But thanks to Kobe's presence, engineers were able to plug the leak and avoid disaster. According to his owner, Kobe saved the block. Now that's something good. So Dr. Marty, did you hear the bells? Absolutely. Okay. well, before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about how your health can be affected by letting your indoor cat outdoors and how short snouted dogs are candidates for sleep apnea. So, Dr. Marty, can you thank our guest? A special thanks to our guests, Mike Arms and Dr. Audrey Lynn. And of course, we must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And of course, Dr. Marty Pets, Nature's Blend, a biological balanced nutrition leading to healthier pets seven days a week for 52 weeks out of the year. If you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you to take better care of your pets.
Peace out and pet love. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. You've never knowingly feed your dog sawdust, but it's one of the most common fillers found in dog food today. Even the ones labeled healthy can contain powdered cellulose, otherwise known as wood pulp. I'm veterinarian and Dr. Marty Goldstein. Your dog needs a biologically appropriate diet. That's why I developed Nature's Blend. She developed an aggressive cancer. She was put on pain meds just to help cope. She was limping through life and got very, very dopey from the pain medication. Nature's Blend is made in North America and is pantry safe. Not only did it pique her interest in wanting to eat again, but it started to give her some energy. After she eats, she gets very playful, has a lot of puppy moments, and she'll be 14 this summer. For a limited time, save 54% off Nature's Blend and receive a free pack of premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. I guarantee it with a 100% 90-day return of your purchase price. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text stop to opt out.